0: Thank you, Deja and Katie. You just don't know how scary it is looking at this bunch until you're up here. So uh, we, they did a really great job this morning. Did you assume that I was going to preach that long? That I would need to change batteries and the mic? <laughs> Thank you, guys. What an awesome song about an awesome God that we serve, Adonai wanted to mention just a couple of things before I, I get started. One is um, newsletter. You should have received newsletter yesterday. If you did not, or if you don't receive our newsletter, you can either go online and, and, and get it, or we have a copy out here. It's a very important issue. We're talking about the amendment, the proposed amendment, amendment to the Constitution. Scott Culbreth did an outstanding job uh, listening to the rest of us and then writing what we told him to write. No, I'm just kidding. Scott did an outstanding job explaining why the elders feel led of the Lord to propose this amendment uh, about the terms for the elders. And I, I don't know why, David. I knew David and the group would be singing Great Is Thy Faithfulness, but the timing didn't hit me until this morning. Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, would have been Linda's 54th birthday, and that was her favorite hymn, her favorite Christian song. Of all time, great is thy faithfulness. And what a awesome, faithful God we serve. We're going to be learning about God the Father this morning. I enjoyed preparing this week so much. The, the home fellowships, the Sunday morning service, just thinking about God the Father, who He is. My own father, my own earthly father, uh, has dementia. That's a shame for so many reasons. One, one of the primary reasons being that He had such a quick mind well actually let me let me brief state that he has even now a quick mind and a good sense of humor he was also a a great singer he loved more than anything singing uh, with my daughter autumn his granddaughter and they would sing with a big band there's there's a, a group that plays in fuquay the falcon park band i think it is they're really good you ought to hear them sometime if you get a chance they play the old big band music and my dad and Autumn would sing, and sometimes they would sing together. And he just loves doing that. Well, one day, recently at lunch, Autumn was asking him, She said, Grandpa, of all the songs that you've sung, uh, and by the way, his memory is probably best when it comes to music as it is to anything. He knows who the singers are, he knows the songs, he will try to sing occasionally, he just doesn't have. A whole lot left, but as you will see, he, he works very well with what he's got left. But uh, Autumn said, Grandpa, of all the songs you've ever sung, what's your favorite? He thought for a minute and he said, I feed my baby onion so I can find her in the dark. <laughs> Which now you know where I get all my lines from, you know, because I've used that one here. And we laughed, of course. I mean, laughed hard under the circumstances. And she said, Well, what's your second favorite? And he thought for a minute and he said, when that's your number one, you don't need a number two. (laughs) We were eating yesterday. And, um, you know, he used to have this saying. Has anybody ever heard this saying? When something would surprise him, he would say, well, fan my brows, starch my britches, cut off my legs and call me shorty. I mean, where does that come from? I never heard anybody say that but my father. So, somebody said something that sort of surprised him, and a lot surprises him these days, you know. And he said, well, fan my brows. I said, isn't there more to that? He said, I don't know. I said, it, aren't you supposed to say, fan my brows, starch my britches, cut off my legs and call me shorty? He said, now you're getting it. <laughs> so, like I say, he works with what he's got. You know what? I, I think God has a, a sense of humor. I think, I think the Lord has a sense of humor. In fact, there's a lot of humor in, in, in Jesus' comments with the Pharisees. A lot of uh, pretty witty retorts that Jesus makes that aren't funny to us, but in context they were hilarious. And I can imagine people standing around going, ah, That's funny! Did you hear that? Can't believe it. Um, and I also think that God likes music. All kinds of music, in fact. Oh, and, and there's biblical support for for both of, uh, of those assertions, but I guess the main reason I think about God that way is, that's the way my earthly father is. We tend to do that, don't we? Whatever our earthly father is like, that's what we project on to God the Father. I mean, if our fathers were fun and free-spirited, that's the way we see God. If our fathers were overbearing and controlling, that's the way we view God. If our fathers were absent, well, where's God when you need Him? It's just that way. But God is not like our human fathers. Now, if we have been very blessed, our fathers are godly. Or, as the word means, like God. Our Heavenly Father, though, is God. The perfect Father. And this morning we are blessed to think about the one we call the first person of the Trinity. God the Father. We're in the middle of a series about the Trinity. If you're just joining us here for the first first time. This awesome mystery that God is one and yet He is three. It's not either or. He's both. One essence. Three persons, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, and all three are God, but we 're going to think about the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. At the end of this message we 're going to Matthew six and just marvel at our perfect Father. We need to look first though, at the role that God the Father has within the Trinity and why it is we call him the first person of the Trinity. Our text today is Ephesians chapter one verses three to fourteen, and there's much Here that we're not going to pursue, there's a great deal of truth we're not going to focus on because we are thinking this morning about God the Father's position in the Trinity and His work in relation to the Son and the Spirit and His work in relation to uh, us also in our lives. There'll be no trouble spotting these truths in this text and in several more that we'll think about this morning. As we read, though, I want you to look for all three persons of the Trinity In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And as is our custom, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Let's pray. Father, there's there's just almost too much there. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Lord, we... We're overwhelmed with the truth and the information that you've given to us in your word. And we pray that you would help us to see and to focus on those things this morning that are most important. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and be seated. Well, there's just no way to overemphasize how important the home fellowship studies are this week. Uh, It... There's just so much and and much in the way of application about the truth of God the Father that we're not not going to be able to cover this morning. In fact, it's going to be a a push to get it covered in the home fellowships. If if you're not attending a home fellowship, you can access those notes on my blog, which you can get to through our church website next week. Not, Not this week, next week. Everything there is a week behind. But if you regularly attend a home fellowship and and you can't be there this week, or if you just don't want to wait on it, email me and I'll I'll send you those notes that 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 we're going to be looking at in the home groups and the small groups this week. Well, this morning we're talking about the persons of the Trinity. Though God is one, He is three. God, the Father, first person of the Trinity, is our focus this morning. Now, now if If God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are co-equal, co-eternal, it's not that God came first and then He created the Son and the Spirit, but if they all three have existed forever back there. By the way, let's get this out of the way. I can think about eternity in the future. i got no problem with that. I want to live forever. I want to. I have no problem with that. I cannot get my mind around, nor can you, the fact that God has always been here. Never had a beginning. That speaks to His transcendence, does it not, that we talked about last week? He never had a beginning! And the Son and the Spirit have always existed with Him. They are eternal. So why do we talk about first person, second person third person of the Trinity. Is Jesus as much God as the Father is? Is the Spirit in any way inferior to the Son and the Father? No. They are all three co-equal, co-eternal. So why then speak about first person, second person, third person? Because there is order... In the Trinity, some shy away from doing so today, but the Scripture makes no, has no problem stating that there is order in the Trinity that includes authority and submission. There is tremendous love and respect among the persons of the Trinity. We'll cover that down the road, but this morning we're thinking about how there is the order with authority of the authority of God the Father. The clear references to all three persons of the Trinity. in in our text this morning. Did you notice the priority given to the Father as the architect of our redemption? We're going to go back and look at that a little closer. Next week, we're going to talk about the preeminence of Christ. He is, after all, the centerpiece of history. But He is so at the Father's direction and pleasure. God, the Father, wanted the Son to be... In the spotlight. It is the Father in our text who is at the beginning of all that is good for us. And in the end, He rightly receives all the glory. Now, Ephesians 1 is often used to make a point. This text is used to make a point about election. And if you want to make a point about election, it's a good place to go to. But the truth is there. Can't deny it. But but don't focus on the theological Debate this morning, just just put those thoughts out of your mind and focus on the blessing that God chose you to be his child. God the Father chose you to be your child. If you have trusted Jesus as your savior, you you are the apple of God the father's eye. It is the Father. Who is the author of all of these blessings to us Election adoption redemption are all part of the father's plan for you in Jesus Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places even as he the father chose us in him Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Not sure which one that hymn is. Maybe both. We we need to be cleaned up to stand before God, but we're there because of Jesus. It was God the Father that planned that we should become His children, who blessed us in Christ, which which means that He sent Jesus to die for us. God the Father sent Jesus to die for us. It was the Father's design that we be holy and blameless, something we have no hope of doing on our own. So he made it possible. You know, we often speak of we often speak of Jesus love for us that he displayed that he showed very clearly in going to the cross on our behalf. True. His love it's phenomenal. And he ex- he showed it. His love was expressed in the best way imaginable. He died for us. And not only died, as, as you heard last week, he took God's wrath for us so that we could stand before God righteous and clean. But you know, Scripture talks a lot more about God's love for us, God the Father's love for us, in sending His Son. It seems like, what's that verse... Starts something like, for God so loved the world that He gave... You know that verse I'm talking about. John 3.16, you see that over and over. The love of God the Father for us. And the plan that He designed and executed. Then, our text tells us, according to the purpose of His will, God the Father adopted us as His children. Through Jesus Christ. Praise His name. Praise His glorious grace. He has blessed us greatly in the beloved, in Jesus. He's brought us into His family. What a loving Father. God the Father's plan provides for our redemption through the blood of Jesus' sacrifice. Now, I just mentioned last week... if you, if you weren't here last week, let me encourage you to either listen online or, or to get one of the discs out in the lobby so that you can hear law professor Jim McLaughlin. And it's important that it was a law professor telling us because this was a legal transaction that occurred between God and us. We had no hope. We were guilty as sin and, and then some. We were pathetically unprepared to stand before the judge of the universe, but someone stepped in. Took our place. It was God's plan to send his son, and in essence, pun intended, to send himself to absorb his own wrath. And God did this. He sent Jesus, even though Jesus, and especially so, because Jesus was every bit as much God as the Father is. How many times do you read Jesus saying, particularly in the Gospel of John, I come at my Father's desire. I come because my Father sent me. I do only the things that He tells me to do. I don't do anything on my own. This plan that I am executing is actually the Father's plan. And I'm simply doing what He has desired for me to do. It was the Father's plan to lavish His grace upon us and to reveal the secret plan of salvation that is now known to us but is a mystery nonetheless. By the way, whatever Jesus did, He did through the power of the Spirit. The Trinity was involved in every step of the way. You know, a lot of people live their lives hoping that they're going to get lucky with the lottery. Or that this trip to Vegas is really going to make the difference. Or that some previously, some heretofore unknown relative is going to die and leave them a large sum of money. The inheritance we have in Jesus is astounding beyond imagination. But then when we get a taste of the the majesty and the And the wisdom of God the Father and His power, especially with regard to our salvation in Jesus, it really shouldn't surprise us that much. We can do little more, though, than just marvel at the Father's goodness to us, bringing us into His family, cleaning us up, making us worthy to stand in His presence. It's a promise that we have for all eternity. And and it's no empty promise. If it was not enough that the Father sent His Son Jesus to secure our salvation, to die for our sins and secure our salvation, He also sent the Holy Spirit to guarantee that He is not a whimsical God, not a, not a capricious Father who is saying, you're good today, just don't cross me, don't get on my bad side, you're my, you're my son right now, but I can disinherit you just as quickly as I brought you into this family. He's not like that at all. And He sent His Holy Spirit to guarantee it, he seals us. When we believe in Jesus, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. Seal doesn't mean much today, but it sure did in that day. When 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 a law was stamped with a seal, or the wax was was melted and, and a seal was put on any official document, that was it. And you really had to go through a ridiculous amount. And some seals absolutely could not be broken. This was the law from now on until somebody killed the emperor and then there was a new seal that was made. And ain't nobody going to kill God the Father, so we're not worried about that. But he also gives the Holy Spirit as a non-refundable down payment or deposit of our salvation and inheritance. Do you get that? The King James says that the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation. It's earnest money. It's non-refundable. So if, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I am God's child, then if I end up going to hell, then the Holy Spirit has to go with me. And that ain't happening. He's not going there. In other words, we sing the song, Jesus paid it all. All. A lot of people tend to think of salvation in this way. Jesus made the down payment, I have to keep up the monthly installments. There was nothing in our banks to begin with. Unless Jesus makes a deposit in our lives, we've got nothing. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that that inheritance that has been laid out for us will be ours. We will take possession of it. No wonder we praise Him so much. God the Father is the chief architect and instigator of our salvation. He sent the Son and the Holy Spirit as agents of His plan. He exercises authority over them even though they are 100% God just as the Father is. And there is never a hint of jealousy or rebellion from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Only loving submission To the Father's plan. This truth is proclaimed over and over and over in the New Testament. Look for it. It's not hard to find. You'll see it over and over and over. And a lot of people today want to play with that. They want to play with God's plan. And so they say, well, you know, they they make decisions amongst themselves. No, God the Father has the plan. The others say, okay, got it. We'll do it. That's the way it is. And I'm not sure why it is we want to play with that. There's this incredible love and and, and, and it speaks to how we should have community amongst ourselves. We'll, we'll talk about that. But the Trinity has an established order and everybody, all the persons of the Trinity, know their role and perform accordingly. If you attend a home fellowship a few weeks ago, uh, you spent time in in John 14 through 16, where Jesus' last instructions to his disciples before his crucifixion were given. Chapter 17 records Jesus' prayer to the Father, and he says so much about his relationship with the Father and also his relationship with us and and the Father's relationship with his children. Jesus' lesson for his disciples that night was about the Trinity. That's all he talked about just about. You counted the references An amazing amount of references to one of the three persons of the Trinity. Father, Son, Spirit in John 14 through 16. I want to take a few minutes and and, and talk about the Father's role with regard to Jesus. I'm I'm going to give you a list and there will be a reference for each one of these these points. You might want to write them down and and take a look at these later. Uh, It will be great devotional material. And I can promise you, if you'll do that, if you'll just jot some of these down even if you don't get them all it'll increase your understanding of the trinity and especially in relation that the relation that we have with god the father and that jesus had with god the father all of these verses are from the gospel of john first with regard to jesus the father hands all things over to the son he has sent jesus jesus Gave testimony to that time and again. He glorifies Jesus. Man, we're going to talk about that next week when we talk about the Son. The Father is in Jesus. He instructs Him what to say and to do. And if you are listening to this and don't have a screen in front of you, sometime in the future uh, this material is written also. In other places. God the Father grants his request. It's greater than Jesus. God the Father is greater than Jesus. Jesus got no problem with that. He states it unambiguously. God the Father loves Jesus, He gives people. To Jesus. And he is one with Jesus. Now, in order to give those of you who are writing time to get continue to get this list down, I, I want to read one of the passages referred to uh, in this list. John 14, verses 6 through 11. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Jesus is talking to His disciples. Then Philip chimes in and, he's, and Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And it is enough for us. If you'll just show... You know, you, you keep talking about the Father. If you'll just show Him to us, we'll be good. <laughs> and Jesus is almost incredulous. He said, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Did you catch that Jesus said, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus recognized the Father's position of authority, and he willingly submitted, it to, submitted to it. But God the Father works in our lives also. Not only does he work in, in the, through the Son and through the Spirit, but he works in our lives also. Let's consider how he works with regard to believers. Once again, all of these verses are from John's Gospel, and were spoken to Jesus on the night before He was crucified. These are all promises about the Father's relationship with His children. And these especially will be helpful for you if you'll write these down and then meditate on them, read them and meditate on them this coming week. There is adequate space for God's children in His house. John fourteen two. He will send the Holy Spirit to them. What a great promise. We'll we'll look at that in two weeks. He will love His children. Perfect love. Not the kind of love that we got from our fathers. Even if they were great fathers, their love was imperfect. He loves His children perfectly. He will come and stay with them and not leave, ever. He will care for them in order that they may bear more fruit. He will grant their request he will protect them from the evil one in fact he is our only hope of protection and he will enable them to be one one with one another and one with him well we're just getting a glimpse of god the father this morning there's just a little bit more to come but but the real application is going to be in the home Fellowships, And if you can't get it there, get it online. Before we finish uh, with one closing thought, I-, I wanted to read a passage from Matthew's Gospel in which Jesus tells us of the Fathers, our Heavenly Father's tender love for us, His wonderful, great love for us. We're going to look at Matthew 6, verses 24-34 to 34 in the New Living Translation as Jesus speaks at the Sermon on the Mount. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? It's almost embarrassing to read these words. I mean, these were people who who not only didn't know if they could find enough food to stay alive, they didn't know if they could get enough water to drink. And we're just going to die if we don't have the latest shoes or suit or whatever. Look at the birds, Jesus said. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than they are, in spite of what some people want to tell you. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. In fact, worrying will take... Years away, days anyway, weeks, months. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't He surely, more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who were so deeply concerned about these things? Oh my goodness, that, that hurts. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs and He will give you all you need from day to day. If you live for Him, And make the kingdom of God your primary concern. See, that's why the Father means so little to us. We're not seeking first the kingdom of God. We're seeking first the kingdom of Brad and Drew and Jack. And I ain't messing with the women. (laughs) Yo... (laughs) So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. You know, we were not naturally the children of this loving and caring father. He brought us into his family. He adopted us. Adopted us. Years ago, a young mother sent a a little note into a national magazine, telling about a visit that she had had with her parents. And here's what she said. I stayed with my parents for several days after the birth of our first child. One afternoon, I remarked to my mother that it was surprising our baby had dark hair, since both my husband and I are fair. She said, well, your daddy has black hair. But mama, that doesn't matter. Because I'm adopted and with an embarrassed smile she said the most wonderful words I've ever heard I always forget let's pray